three plies of thickness to make it noticeably thicker than any other brand. New Kleenex 3-ply. Feel the difference. If your mind was three-ply toilet tissue, one of the plies or layers might be your biases, literally your slants. In which case, we call that ply of bias implicit, layered into the whole. In this episode, we're talking implicit bias, slanted reactions folded into the way we see the world. I'm comedian Aaron Freeman, she's neurobiology professor Peggy Mason, and together for the Chicago Society for Neuroscience, we are the Brain Buddies. I hear you went to a lecture last week about implicit bias. I did, and it was really cool because I went to this lecture because it was called The Selling of Implicit Bias. Now, I thought the title was very interesting because in general, there's this disconnect between science and then the selling of it to the public and i worry sometimes that some ideas are so attractive to the public that they gain inordinate currency and gravitas and acceptance compared to the evidence that is there to support them so would mirror neurons mirror neuron there are two great examples and mirror neurons is exactly one mirror neurons is probably the poster child for this i there's there's you know there's some evidence here and there for mirror neurons in macaques in a very small part of the cerebral cortex but mirror neurons are now supposed to explain everything in humans in dogs and in everything i mean it's it's Wait, but, but have, have have mirror neurons been found in humans it, that it's an arguable case according to gregory hickok his answer would be no i would okay. agree with him there would be people that would make the case that that would argue yes um i would say no Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, because I, I thought you guys do neurobiology, so you just cut open the brains, look at the cells, and it's either there no one's or it's not there. No one's cutting open a human How? brain, by the way. Say what? No one's cutting open a human brain, by the way. So when you, what do you mean? I've watched you slice them. I've watched videos of you personally cutting open human brains. Not, well, mirror neurons are a physiological phenomenon, which depends um. on livingness. Life, uh, lifeness. Well, okay. I've wait, cut why don't you just stick somebody? I've cut wait, why don't you just stick somebody in an F, Why don't you stick them in an fMRI and go look at their mirror neurons? That's what you people do these days. Well, fMRI. Remember what? What's fMRI measuring? It's measuring uh, blood flow, blood oxygenation. It is not measuring right. neurons. It is not okay, measuring fair spikes. Okay. 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 All right. So that so this is an example. This is an example of something that people like me get all excited about, but people like you go, eh, not so much. Well, people, I think the general public is very attracted to this idea, and I can understand. Yeah. I can totally understand why, but I don't yeah. find the evidence compelling, and okay. and, and I so certainly this- do not find the evidence warrants the public acceptance. Now, I assume that you would put also into this category oxytocin. Oxytocin, I would put into the category. I mean, I would say mirror neurons is the poster child of poster childs for this category. Okay. Mirror okay, neurons okay. is, I mean, I'm sorry, oxytocin is, is a second place. And I would put another one that I would put, because I'm, I'm reading this book about it, which is really 
given me a lot of food for thought, is attachment theory. Okay, so so there are a lot of ideas that that have gained more credence than I think they are worth, and I and I've I've always been very um, intrigued by the implicit bias. So when I saw this title saying the selling of implicit bias, I thought, well, maybe there's less evidence for the public conception of implicit bias than I was aware of. I'd love to just describe this talk because because Tony Greenwald, who who described this phenomenon with Mazarin Banaji in the middle 1990s, 1995, okay. the first point that he made, which I thought was a beautiful point, was that when he was doing this, he was just playing around. He had no hypothesis. Now, arguably, implicit bias is something that has taken uh, psychology very far forward. But he had no hypothesis. He didn't have an axe to grind. He had no pony in the race. He just was playing around with how people thought about things in an unconscious way and in a conscious way. And he was comparing their conscious thoughts about things to their unconscious thoughts about things. So the... He then took us through this. So what he did was he he had young, old, and he says, every time I show a young face, you're all going to say left, and when I show an old face, you're all going to say right. So he does this, and we all go, the whole audience participated. This was a, you know, this was a crowd that was ready to, to, to <laughs> rock on with this guy. And he had a program on his computer so that he could get the average reaction time. As we were calling it out, he was pressing the keys. So he had the average reaction time, and it was pretty short. So then he did good and and bad, okay? And he had, um, you know, happy, angry, uh, et cetera. And so we did the same thing, right. left, right. And again, and it was just a touch, a touch slower. This was Welcome words back. instead of faces, we're responding to the words, and we have to categorize them as good or bad, positive or negative, essentially. Sad was on the left side, and, and so okay. on. Okay. okay, and we were very fast, a little bit slower, but very fast on that one. So then he says, now if it's young or good, it's on the left. And if it's old or bad, it's on the right. Okay. Okay. So now we're getting a mixture of faces and words. And we were a little bit slower, but we still did fine. Okay. Um, we did it again. We did that same one again, and it went down. We got faster. Okay? Okay. Makes then sense. he Makes does. Sense. Okay, you more practice, you're getting better. Yeah. At it. yeah. Then he does. You're working here, you're getting better. Right. And then he does this one where it's. Young and bad are on one side and old and good are on the other side. Now, you would call this an incongruent condition, right? Because our normal bias is that young is good, old is bad. So the incongruent condition is very, it is, is very, very difficult. So that was... We were the slowest on that. But the here's the cool thing, Aaron. We do it again, and we're slower. <laughs> okay. 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 What's that about? 
So what it's about is that implicit bias is not learnable. It's not teachable. It's not changeable. It is. It is. He then gave us sort of a multiple choice. Which of the following are true? If you go through implicit bias training for four hours, you'll get better. If you go through implicit bias training for a weekend, you'll get better. If you go through implicit bias, blah, blah, blah. If If you go to implicit bias workshop, you'll get better. All of the above, none of the above. And the answer is none of the above. You cannot change it. It's implicit. It's old. It, you got it very young. We don't know how young because it's difficult to test in babies or in very young children. But by the time we can start to test it, we have it. He told a story that I don't know if you've ever heard about the uh, movement in music to do auditions behind a barrier. Yes, yes, okay. yes, I have, I have. So, right, to get over the bias that the, uh, the, the people you're auditioning for might have in favor of men, in favor of women, in favor of whatever. So you wouldn't see the performer at all, you just hear the music. The effect of this has been to take women from, I think it's around 10% to around 40% of symphony orchestras. I thought it was intended for that. As it turns out, according to Dr. Greenwald, it was intended, in fact, to take away the bias for Juilliard graduates, for known ah! Juilliard graduates. And, <laughs> right? Seriously? And then so what happened was, okay, yeah, whatever happened. I have no idea what happened with the Juilliard graduates. But what happened was <laughs> all of a sudden women got a fair shake and they started to get hired. And they were at, I think okay. it's around 40% in, in symphony orchestras across the country. Huh. So the, the idea idea is that we have these implicit biases and this has been a big deal in the courtroom in hiring obviously it's been a big deal in the criminal justice system the best studied ones are race and gender there's a a bunch of famous experiments where they'll send out the exact same resume yes but the name will be mary as and john and john will get more calls back than mary will is that that what we're talking about when we're talking implicit bias that's exactly what we're talking about Okay. And, okay, and okay. in fact, there's there's a recent post going around Facebook, I don't know if you saw it, about a supervisor who was supervising this woman whose work was very good, but she was slow. Somehow they, I don't know, they shared an inbox. And at one point he responds to an email to one of the clients and it, by mistake, it had her name on it instead of his name on it. And what he got back, he wrote it. He's the same person. He wrote it. And what he okay. got back was just rude, challenging, and distrustful. And what he and so what he did with this, I mean, to his great credit, was he said, let's switch emails for, for two weeks. Okay? <laughs> so you're going to okay. sign yours, my name, and I'm going to sign mine, your name. And he realized that that she wasn't slow. She had to deal with these hurdles that these that these clients were putting in front of her because of whatever they implicitly attached to the fact that she was female. Here's the thing: you can't undo it. You, you remember the, um, the the optical illusions, right? Right. That you can't. Yes. You can't. You, the optical illusions. You can't yes, not right, see right. them. 
You know right, they're there. Right, right. You know the 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 length. The yes, yes. The length where that the two, has the, the, the arrows right. going out or in. Right, 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 That's right, one. right. That's or a the, very easy or the, one. The, the rectangle where it's, where it's oriented vertically and oriented horizontally, you'll think that the vertical one is bigger. Right. And you can't not see it, even though they'll switch around and show you that, no, they're the exact same size. Right. But when they change the orientation, it still looks bigger. Or you see the two squares and one appears to be in shadow, so you interpret that. Right, right, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As the, blah, blah, blah. Right, 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 right. All of those. We cannot undo these things. To me, the take-home message is don't beat yourself up about having implicit bias. We all do. And I can tell you, I, I never took it for race because, you know, that. of course I'm going to have race implicit bias. I took it for sex. Okay. I took it for sexism. I, I took it for sexism in medicine. Okay. So I What do you I, mean you took it? I took an took implicit bias test. You can go to the Harvard implicit bias test. It's online. Uh-huh. We'll, we can fi- oh. we can find the the URL and put it up on the, Yeah, I'll, I'll make a link. Yeah. We'll make a link to it. It'll be on the We'll subject, make a link okay. to it. And um and so, you know, there's there's all sorts of ones for for size, for age, for race, ethnicity, religion, you know, there's all of them. But one of them is for women or I think it's women in, in medicine or women in science. And and you basically have sort of how incongruent is it to a person if a male is a nurse and a female is a doctor? Okay. okay? I'm off Got the it. charts. I'm extremely biased. I'm extremely okay. biased. That's that's just the facts. No big surprise. No big surprise. I don't feel bad about it. I just know it. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? What do you mean? No big surprise. No. You are a, I mean, no big surprise. It's a big surprise to me. You're a feminist. You're a woman in medicine. You spent a good chunk of the last thirty years arguing against this kind of stuff, uh, bias in, in medicine and the sciences, arguing against it uh, from a great uh, academic height, arguing with passion about it. Yet you say, ah, I'm biased. I was say I have sexist biases. No big deal. What is that? How is that? How can it possibly be? Because how can you not be shocked? I, I'm not shocked because I've seen the data, and I don't feel there's just no way that I'm going to be special. I'm going to be different from ninety, you know, ninety nine percent of the people. We all got acculturated. We all came up in this culture, and this is a racist, sexist culture. We got the message early. We got it well. We internalized it. Now, here's the important thing. Here's where I am a feminist and, and I believe in change. I don't believe I can change my implicit bias. I can't. And we can't change the implicit bias of police people. We can't change the implicit bias of judges. We can't change the implicit bias of anybody. What we can do is put a step in between our implicit bias and our actions. Okay, and let me give you an example. There's a very famous study, and we can put a link on the on the website for this as well, about letters of recommendation written yes. for men and written for women. And what you brilliant what you find is a totally different group of words, right. hardworking, dedicated right. versus brilliant, smart. Right. 
Right. Genius, blah, blah, blah. Right. There's just right. totally different. There's different words used. There's different yeah. lengths. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman doing the recommendation. Remember, we're all okay. grew up in the same culture. I read that and I know that I'm no different. I'm not special. That's the that's the important thing about science. Look at the data. Don't use your subjective, oh, I'm a fabulous person person, you know, idea. Look at the data and realize you're just another human being the same as oh. everyone else. Ever since I read that article, I okay. write recommendations and I write them out and then I go back and I purposely, deliberately and consciously look at all the words and desexist it. Besides our work on, on helping where we've looked at this bias, there's also a very strong and consistent literature about face recognition uh, in the amygdala. Javon Bavel has really done beautiful work and, and others as well, saying showing how your response to in-group faces is so much faster than your response to out-group faces. Now, I don't know what speed means, but in general, there is a categorization of faces and faces for humans and to a certain extent for other non-human primates faces is where it's at for my cats it's it's about their butt smell but for us it's about our faces <laughs> this is one of the reasons our tv culture our movies are populated with attractive people we respond positively to them. We can more easily identify with them. We want to enter their world. We want them to succeed because we associate their attractiveness with good. Yeah, I think that's true. And There's, I remember, there, I remember reading something about the fact that, uh, and if the most successful NFL quarterbacks are, on the whole, fairly good looking. Okay, all right. They have to be so somewhat good looking to to be the leaders that they have to be. So now our, our, our amygdala responses, I thought they were in some ways trainable. So kind of a, they are trainable. And that's actually one of the most amazing uh, results that, that Von Bavel got. There's something called um, minimal groups. And the, these are, for example, putting a blue, red, a blue uh, wristband or a red wristband, blue eyes, brown eyes. These are groups Got that it. groups that mean nothing. They are based on trivial differences, and yet if you if you tell people you're in this group and they're in that group and you're the good group and they're the bad group, now oh, sure. all of a sudden the there will be antagonism. So what's the oh, interesting yeah. experiment was that was done was that they made minimal groups let's call it blue blue wristbands, red wristbands, right. that were of mixed race. And now okay. all of a sudden, the in-group response in the amygdala was assigned to the in-group, not to the race. Ah. So that's a okay, pretty okay. rocking result to me. It, just, it shows that we can change. We can change in that yeah. way. The amygdala response, the friend or foe, fight or flight, or reproduce, 
part of the brain. That's as close as we can get to really kind of discovering or talking about the neuroscience of implicit bias. That's where there's a lot of literature. And in general, it's consistent with the conclusions that I've articulated. The excitation of the amygdala gets mediated by the the PFC, by the prefrontal cortex, in terms of how we interpret that amygdala reaction. I like to talk about neurofondaization. Uh, that prior to Jane Fonda, that one of the objectives of working out, of exercise, was to avoid pain. <laughs> right, but that, right. But that after Jane Fonda, <laughs> after Jane Fonda neurofondaized us all, that same pain that we used to avoid became feeling the burn and something that we wanted, we sought. So the exact same physical phenomenon, but our reaction to it was changed just based on what somebody told us was a good thing. Right. And and, and another example of that, not just, it's not just cognitive, that's a cognitive example, but the the traditional example of that is conditioned taste aversion. You have something, you have something that's tasty as hell, you love it. But unfortunately, afterwards, you vomit. You now Uh, no longer love it. In fact, you can't really look at it. Actually, you know, there's a thing that there's a, it's true of uh, the, the opposite is true of hot sauce and hot peppers. Apparently, in cultures where they, right. they really value hot, spicy peppers, they give it to the babies right. and the babies don't like it because it hurts. But they give it to them and then grandma says, no, this is very good. And look at your uncle and look at your cousin. And oh, and over time, this, the same thing that the kid used to hate, the pain that they, they used to make the kid cry, they have, are positively associated with it, seek it out, want it, really enjoy it and consider it a great delicacy. According to a colleague of mine, the same can be done with rats. So this has nothing to do with the cousins. This has to do okay. with repeated exposure and you essentially... The valence changes. It changes from negative to positive with with repeated exposure. It sounds like you're saying the tendency towards implicit bias is immutable, but the specifics of that reaction can be mediated by a number of tools, one of which you say is to, as you say with your recommendations, to consciously go through and edit out the stuff that came out, the biases that came out. You're not editing your bias. You're you're stuck with your bias. You're editing your actions. Right, right. Editing the expressions of that bias. That's exactly right. You must not, I mean, my feeling, my strong feeling is we must both acknowledge, it's just as important to acknowledge the bias as it is to not be constrained by the bias. Work against it consciously and deliberately. Let's say you put together a seminar, a a symposium, and you put a bunch of people, you you know, you just sort of think, oh, who should we invite? So you invite five people. Now you look at it and you say, okay, does this have gender balance? Is there any way that we can have balance, racial balance, or, or balance that is across rank, you know, are we using these usual suspects? Can we can we can we work to make this as fair as possible? Looking at it from a deliberate point of view. Okay, but as an academic, now what you just said is look at make it as fair as possible. That is in some ways at odds with consciously trying to compensate for implicit biases. No, 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 no. You're, no, not at all. You're trying to, if you don't consciously, you, I, I, if you don't consciously compensate for your implicit bias, you're just going to act out. We're going to just stay in the same cultural rut that we're in. 
but but you know what I'm saying though. So some people would say is that schemes to overcome bias, like for example, uh, giving college admission to the top ten percent of every high school, so as to get better representation of minorities, that squeezes out of some of those academic positions people who might have higher test scores and higher empirical numbers than the people that than the top 10% of Aaron Freeman high school in Texas there's a price to be paid in quality if you're trying to uh, accumulate demographic conformity well there's a huge price to be paid for ignoring a big chunk of the population because we're biased nat- because our culture is biased against that proportion of the cult- of the of the population so we, we the- we're going to pay a price we're gonna pay a price. In the neuro, what 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 <clears throat> price has been paid in the neuroscience community for the dearth of women in the top in the top levels of tenured faculty in neuroscience? What's the price? How does it? Hurt how would anybody? we know? How would okay, we? Okay, then you. How would we well, know? You just said that there's a price. To, you said there's a price to be paid. There's a how there's a know? total we, price to be paid. Look at Barbara McClintock. What an what an amazing she, woman. She she discovered these jumping p elements. Um, and she she won the Nobel Prize in 1983. And from what I understand, at the time she won it, she was an adjunct professor. History is filled with these examples. That was stupid. So that was stupid. And thank goodness she persisted against those obstacles and gave us a great discovery, which is very important. So you're saying, I think that implicit biases are inherently unscientific because they're positively irrational. Absolutely. And that, so that whatever you need to do to try to overcome those biases, that is pro-reason, pro-rational. It's like wearing a raincoat when it's raining outside. The techniques that you use to overcome the bias it moves you closer towards a, a realistic representation, a realistic model of the world you live in. That's right. Is there any brain advantage to it? The advantage to bias is the advantage to stereotype. And there and you know believe it or not there's a huge advantage to stereotype which is speed. You guys slowed down when you would do at your lecture and made your identifications when you had to stop and think and really analyze the thing closely. It took you more time. You have and to fastest- you know in Kahneman terms you're 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 going from system one and you're forcing yourself into lazy, lazy for system two. But without system two, you're stuck. And, and I thought that um, Tony Greenwald put this so beautifully. System two is obliged to use what system one feeds it. That's all it gets. That's all it gets. It gets what system one feeds it. The, the system one therefore controls the content of perception, thought, and judgment because it is the only avenue in to system two. Now, system two can take it and work with it or take it and just right. and just say, oh, I'll take, I'll take it on face value and, and system, right. I'll just verbalize whatever system one just fed me or can think about it. The pain that we feel in exercise is system one stuff. System two, we can decide how to interpret it. Is it pain or is it the burn? Right. When I'm walking down the hallway and let's say I'm going to try and visit somebody at the hospital and I want to find some information and I am going to implicitly and quickly try and figure out who is a 
nurse that can help me or who is a doctor that can help me. And I'm going to use a fast system and I'm going to be biased as hell. And I suppose as we move more deeply into the 21st century, truth be told, we have less time, more information, and the fast systems become more prevalent because we simply have less time to cope with the information that we have. I agree. The pressure of time in, in the modern world is, is not doing great things for this, uh, to combat this problem. Nonetheless, you still are, you have sufficient time to go through your recommendations and eliminate your own sexist bias. Well, I, there's are, just, or, yeah, there's are, no way in hell I'm sending out a, bo- a, a recommendation without doing that now that I know. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm yeah, also, yeah. I'm a little bit different because I um, I try not to feel that that modern press of time. I try to decide what I'm going to do with my time rather than react that's because you live on a beautiful farm out there in <laughs> rural illinois with your ducks and you have a more bucolic lifestyle than the rest of us well i'm in the city every day well, by the way no. all right so but, but so your takeaway from this is we are biased and the only answer is to work to to find whatever systems work for you to ameliorate the behaviors that express those biases exactly to not let those biases constrain your actions and, to, in fact, to, to do quite the opposite. To decide deliberately how you want to be, how you want to act in the world, and not let those biases control how you, in fact, act in the world. What are your implicit biases? Or are you bias-free? Do you take steps to ameliorate your biases? Care to share? We'd love to hear from you. We also heartily invite you to check out the Chicago Society for Neuroscience's website, chicagosfn.org. Don't miss Peggy's excellent blog, The Brain is So Cool, or my YouTube channel, neuroscienceComedy.com. Until next time, may your oxytocin flow like the river of Chicago, and may your amygdalas tingle in anticipation of the stupendous opportunities available on this, the best day of your life. We are Aaron Freeman and Professor Peggy Mason, and you've been listening to the Brain Buddies Podcast. (laughs) 